How are you guys doing? Welcome over here to the channel. I'll tell you guys right now, we actually have a four-part interview that is going to be going up. We have another three parts if you've not seen it with James Vasquez. He's the American who is fighting as a volunteer inside of Ukraine against the Russian invasions. I actually should have these up over the next week or so. So stay tuned and make sure to subscribe because these things are actually pretty dang good. Uh, we have three more parts left. If you've not seen part one, it's up on the channel. It was uploaded yesterday. Now, out the gate, Biden has actually decided to provide the Ukrainians with more advanced rocket systems and munitions that will actually enable them to precisely strike key targets on the battlefield within Ukraine. He's also said that they will continue to reinforce NATO's eastern flank with forces and capabilities from the United States and other allies. He is claiming that America does not seek war with Russia and neither does NATO. I mean, they don't want them. I mean, we all doesn't want us want this. Like, no one does. And I'm fairly sure the entire world knows this and doesn't really need to be said aloud. But there you go. We're not looking for war with Russia. Now, there's an additional $700 million aid package that actually includes four high-mobility high uh, artillery rocket systems and the ammo form, by the way. Uh, these, these, are actually, these four HIMARS are extremely valuable. Now, if you guys don't know much about them, they have a range of 50 miles, which is twice the distance of the M777 howitzers, and it will give the Ukrainians the ability to actually strike further behind Russian lines, clearly. But with this range of 50 miles, it will generally put the HIMARS out of range for the Russians' own artillery and to actually put the Russian batteries at risk. So let, let that one just, just think about that for a second. They're going to be able to shoot these HIMARS at the Russians, but the Russians cannot actually hit the HIMARS back with artillery because they cannot reach them. Now, imagine the kind of damage that could actually be done to the actual Russian supply routes. Now, this is a massive deal because at the range, they could target the entire supply chain that is coming in, in from Russia into Kupiansk from Chuihiv, which is well away from the front line. So they literally can sit one inside of Chuihiv, which is just south uh, southeast of Kharkiv itself, they could literally put one in Chuihiv and hit the entire Kupiansk region, going from Kupiansk all the way into Russia. Hit that entire route. That would choke off the Russian supply route that's actually coming in. Now, also inside this package is five counter-artillery radars, two air surveillance radars, 6,000 anti-armor weapons, 15,000 rounds of 155 millimeters, once again for the howitzers, four MI-17 helicopters, 15 tactical vehicles, and spare parts. Now, Russian state TV is claiming once again that there's only one way for this war now to end, and that's with sticking a stake through Zelensky's heart. And they're also now claiming that the special military operation in Ukraine is now moving to that of a full-scale World War III scenario with NATO. Now, Russian troops in Kyrgyzstan have actually been apparently dressing in Ukrainian uniforms to hunt down activists within the area. They are apparently visiting Ukrainian uh, civilians, their houses, and if they provide them with information about the positions of Russian forces, then they're actually going to snatch them up. I don't know exactly where they're going, but apparently they're snatching them. I, I guess you could say kidnapping, but... I don't know. Are they sending them to a, a filtration camp? Who really knows? It also seems to be a bit of a power struggle going on within whoever wants to have the bigger man syndrome. Uh, but the Chechnyan leader has actually put out a video claiming that the Russian media is lying to its people about the situation within Ukraine. Now, this isn't the first time he's actually done this, honestly. He did this with Mariupol, and it's somewhat ironic, by the way. He is sitting in a gold-plated room with golden pillows, golden eggs, 
posting a video like like this one, his men who are fighting for him are very, very poor and are fighting literally just for his fame at this point. Like what 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 is his need to be in here? Like he literally is living in a golden room. I don't know if I don't know what he's taken because he clearly is not all mentally sound up there for the, for when he's making this. But I, I tell you, he's he's literally sitting there in a golden room. Like what what like what kind of world is he living in? Anyway, now this is one of the biggest things to actually happen here recently. No one is actually really talking about it. The United States is planning to sell Ukraine four MQ1C Gray Eagle drones, which have a range of four hundred kilometers and can fly for 30-plus hours and carry eight Hellfire missiles. That's nuts, okay? Now, I found this map, the one that's currently up here on the screen. It's indicating what the drone can actually reach when launched from any major Ukrainian airport. It's pretty nuts. Now, I don't believe they're going to use this thing to strike, strike Russian targets. We also know that's, that's not going to happen, like within Russia, that is. They're going to hit Russian targets, but not Russian targets within Russia. Now, they have the whole Black Sea they can target and Crimea. So they could literally put this thing up, fly it for more than a day at a time, take out as many targets as they, they can that has the ammunition, that is, at will. This thing is a massive game changer. They literally can, can, can stop everything that's going on in the Black Sea. And imagine them, they, they could take this thing off from anywhere and hit every single major Russian target that is on the eastern, eastern side of this country. So our friend Franklin Turtle is back at it again, by the way, from Russian Strike TV. He's actually claiming that this war inside of Ukraine is nothing more than a rehearsal. Now, has anybody noticed that this guy always seems extremely angry and mad at life? I don't really know why he is, but he's always so angry. The Ministry of Defense of the Russian Federation has actually announced that they have began a large-scale nuclear maneuver exercise in the western region of the country. These exercises are said to reportedly have 1,000 personnel and 100 pieces of equipment with long-range ICBMs. Now, you would probably be wondering why they would actually have to announce something like this, but it would actually be a little bit more worrisome if they didn't announce it, and these maneuvers were actually then found out by Western countries, made public. It would make it look like Russia was posturing for more and more men on the nukes closer to their countries. I don't know. It just seemed like they'd be trying to do something. So, honestly, I'm kind of glad they're actually announcing it. I know they're trying to scare the whole world, but it's better than us finding out without you know them telling us. Now, I've read over and over again over the last two weeks that the Russian military has been staging more and more troops on the Belarusian border, uh, just north of Kiev, now for a possible push again to try and take the city, but it just seems so difficult for me to believe, honestly. Um, This is a different time of the year, though. Just let you guys know, it's not going to be as wet, so they're going to be able to maneuver their tanks if they did do this a bit better, but most of the routes leading in are going to be heavily fortified, and it's going to be extremely difficult for, for them to take the Ukrainians by surprise. Now, with all that being said... I have read that it is confirmed that the Russian units have concentrated on the border and have new PTGs. So, it could be a thing. It has been months since anything has happened up there. They're thinking roughly 20,000 men have been staged up there. I don't know. They've been, they've been apparently flying drones across the border trying to conduct some type of recon. Now, I do know the border towns Sumy and Chernihiv have been shelled over the last 48 hours, but I do not personally believe the Russians are capable of mounting any sort of offensive as of today as I'm making this video to try and take Kiev. I just, I just don't think it's a possibility. It could be wrong, though, but I don't see it happening unless they have a, if they see some sort of weakness that I don't know about since they had to actually shift a lot of their men from the, the, the northern portion of the country to the east. I know a lot of men actually moved out of Kiev and moved into Papazna to actually stop the Wagner group and, and them actually pushing north. So that could be a case. I don't know. Now, I know there's a lot of news for today, but this is the last thing I want to discuss real quick. Now, I, I talked about this a few weeks ago. Now, China is apparently 
possibly doing a war mobilization type deal. And this thing was leaked and it could possibly be real. Like I said, I spoke about this thing a few weeks back and more stuff has actually came out. And it's just hard for me to believe personally because it would really mean that we were on the verge of an all-out war happening in different fronts. That is America. Okay. Now, apparently China is trying to transition to a wartime economy. And this offensive that I'm speaking about is supposed to be taking place between July and October of this year. Now, honestly, I don't believe it because I, I wouldn't want to be... I wouldn't want to be involved in this. I don't, I don't think it just would be a terrible thing for the entire world and would put America in a tough spot because we would literally be fighting at that point, a two front war with two separate countries, which then would most likely lead to world war three at that point. You know what I mean? Because we said that we would intervene if they, if they went after Taiwan and now if the stuff came out that they were going to do it between July and October, whoo God, I don't know. I really don't know. It is kind of nuts. All right, we're going to move over to mapping. There's a lot going on. I know this might be a long video. I am sorry, but I just want to get it all out there to y'all. So if you guys are new to the channel, hey, red, Russia, blue, Ukraine, black is going to be the logistical routes, and there's going to be some other stuff on this map, but this is mine. I've drawn this up. We, we update it every single day, so it is up to date as we're making this video. Now, there has actually been some movement by both sides just north of Kharkiv today. Go ahead and zoom in here. Here is Kharkiv. Um, it, it just, it's not a ton, but the Ukrainian military has actually liberated the town of Vaseli while the Russians have actually started an assault back south and have entered the outskirts of the town of Borshova. So we're just looking right here. The Ukrainians have actually seen the Russians enter the town right here, but they were able to take back Vaseli. So Vaseli has been liberated while there's an assaulting element right now of the Russians moving south. I'm not really fully convinced as to why the Russians would actually want to push through here. If it was me, I'd probably hold this defensive line and then really wait. I, that, see, that's what's kind of strange to me. If they're setting up north of Kiev and they're actually going to make a, another push through, then you would think they'd want to do it all at once. You know what I mean? Kind of create some type of, I don't want to call it distraction, but commotion. Like, I, I don't know. I could be wrong, though, but that's pretty much what is going on. That's the first time we talked about Kharkiv since the, the initial assault was actually done by the Ukrainians about two, two-ish weeks ago. They are taking about a little bit of ground, but they haven't lost any. So, Now, I just want to point something out. For some reason, it did not save. This is Chewy Heave. This is what I was talking about earlier. So they can take these high Mars, and this high Mars they can put in right here at Chewy Heave, legitimately. And they can touch everything all the way through here. All this right here. This entire route. They can hit that route. And as we do know, Kupiansk is the logistical hub. Okay, so that was actually like roughly 42 miles from Chuyhiv. Now this entire railroad system, which you can see right here, and this main route, that entire thing leading up there can be hit by the HIMARS. So that is why I was talking about it being such a big deal. Because you can see Chuyhiv is pretty far off the, the front line, which is right here. I mean, it's fairly far off there. And that means they can also touch Izium. So these HIMARS coming into play, granted, they're only going to have four of them. Uh, we did not give them the, the, the capability. There, we have another missile that actually can be put in there that will make it 300 kilometers, which they don't need it. Come on, we're talking hundreds of, like, 100. Like that is, it's just not needed. Well over 100 miles they could touch. And if, with that being said, that means they could literally touch Moscow, essentially. That's not going to be a thing. So that's why we didn't give it to them. That's why we also said they can't touch any Russian targets within Russia because they're afraid it's going to escalate the war, which to me, it's kind of ironic since you have a country that's invading another one. But anyway, I'm going to clean this thing up for you guys and we're going to move southeast from here. So we're going to go from Kharkiv, which we were just in. We're going to move down into this area. Now, Ukrainian forces have lost the towns of Studnek, Sostov, and Yorova over the last 24 hours. Now, this is not really shocking. So this is the area I'm talking about. So you can see this whole patchwork through here. Now, this patchwork just indicates the amount of ground they've taken over the last weeks, okay? 
as you guys can tell, they take a ground here, then here, then here. That's pretty much I've left it in there so you guys can see how they're moving forward. Now, this purple line is going to be very important. You guys see this one right here? That is the Seversky Donetsk River. It's going to act as a barrier for the for the Russians moving south to try to get into Slovenas. We talked about this a few times. I'll show you here in a second. But these are the areas I'm talking about right now. Now, it's not super shocking, okay? Now, it's not really shocking to me. Uh, due to them not really having any significance due to their position on the river itself. Now, anything north of the river isn't going to be considered, to me at least, extremely valuable as of right now. If they aren't able to hold it defensively, like very well, I honestly don't think it's really worth holding. Now, I know this may make some people mad or whatnot. I'm just looking at it from a strategically like sound um, standpoint. You want to hold the high ground, which I'll show you guys here in a second. That is basically on the southern side of this river. That's where all the high ground is. So I'm not saying all the men that had died on this northern side of the river did it in vain. I'm just saying that I, in this certain time, I believe it's, it's going to be easier for the Ukrainians to hold off a smaller area with holding high ground. And I honestly believe the Ukrainian military will continue its retreat solely back into this area surrounding Slovenia to gain control of these hilltops and leaving the river as a natural barrier, like I said, between them and the Russians so that Russians are actually literally going to have to figure out how to cross this without sustaining insane casualties. The Russian military is reportedly preparing uh, to cross this river right now and has actually tried to. Um, just south of uh, Lyman in the town of Rerodork. Rerodork, right here. Now, this is kind of interesting because this also has, it's in a valley, which I'll show you here in a second. I've shown you guys a few times. This 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 is going to be very difficult for them to actually to take this. Like, they got to enter this valley. It's very difficult. Now, I'm going to bring up the 3D mapping of this area that I'm talking about. So now we're looking at Lyman. We're headed north. This is looking north. Now, the area that I'm talking about, we're going to rotate this thing south. All right, so this is the area I'm talking about. They have tried to cross over this river right here. You guys can see this bridge is currently blown out, but it's not going to show on my, my end. So they have this hilltop right here, which is actually going to be on the western side. So they have that. And if you look on the eastern side, they have this as well. And this whole river system right here goes all the way along and has hilltops. We've talked about this multiple, multiple times. I'm just trying to point out the fact that them entering this valley is going to be very difficult, and it's going to take... Some, some precision strikes, mostly, I would assume, by fighter jet, I, the SU-25s or 24s or 23. They, they're going to have to get in here and actually drop some some ordnance on these hilltops to take them out. Because I'm going to make the assumption, I'm going to throw it out there right now, these are probably heavily fortified and really built up when it comes to entrenching systems on top of them. So, all right, so that's pretty much it. And you can tell this is what it looks like when you overlook the area sitting up here. I mean, they literally can see the entire valley going down in the Lyman. And if they really wanted to, they can observe them trying to cross the river and call it up and have artillery strikes on them. So that's pretty much that. Just wanted to show you guys so you have an understanding if you're new. So I'm going to move over to the other map. We're going to go back over here to Severe Nadesk. Now this has been, a lot, lot's been going on. So over the last 48 hours or so, I will tell you the Russians and the Chechnyans, by the way, have actually made progress within the city itself. Ukrainian forces are still in control of the industrial areas on the western side of the city, and they control the high ground in Lizchansk. So this, this is something to think about. Once again, this purple line, as you guys can see, is the river. Now, the southern side of this river, for the most part, has actually had most of the high ground. Now, looking at my normal map, you guys wouldn't think the lost ground inside the city of Severe Nadesk would be, it'd be a terrible thing. And it is. Now, it is, of course. But it's possibly the lesser of the two evils. So I'm going to go back over to the 3D map so you guys can have an understanding. So this is what we're looking at. These are the areas the Russians have taken over the last 48, let's say three days or so. Okay? Now, we're going to go with this. And I'm going to tell you guys, we're going to go to the... The old mapping. So this is Liz Chansk right here. 
Now, they're severe in the desk. For the most part, the Russians control this area you are looking at right here. Now, if I were just to pan over, the industrial area is just over on this side, and this is controlled by the Ukrainians as of right now. Now, when you guys are looking at the 3D mapping, turn around and look at the southern side. This is the area where I believe the Ukrainians have been retreating to. Look at this. It is a massive hill. I mean, just, just think about that. This is a massive hill. This whole city is on a hill. Look at this. Now, when you look at my other map, you wouldn't realize this. You just, it just looks flat. There's a little valley that leads in here, but look at this. Well, the main road that comes in here is on the edge of this hillside. Like, this is going to be extremely difficult to take. Now, this is what I'm saying could have been the lesser of the two evils. They could have just said, okay, you can have this. And it has been said there's 10,000 civilians still residing inside of uh, Severe Nadesk itself. I mean, you got to think about it. Some of these people don't have anywhere to go. They don't have enough money to go somewhere else. And I mean, this is all they have. So they're not going to be able to leave there. So that's why there's been such high casualties in certain areas, these cities. Mariupol, Severe Nadesk, uh, Lyman, all these areas that are really heavily... Um, like large cities, they're not able to actually leave there. Now, when you think about it from the lesser two eels, there's actually only a couple routes leading in and out of Severe Nadesk into Lizchansk itself. And they're going to be heavily fortified and they're going to have hilltops all around them. So you see this main one that comes out of the south that goes by the Donetsk River, like I said. It comes in here and has to go up this hilltop. That's going to be extremely difficult to actually maintain uh, getting troops in and out of there. Like they're going to have to absolutely bombard this hill with artillery and hit airstrikes all over it. And honestly, with the shortcomings of the Russian military, they're going to take heavy losses of men and equipment. They can still receive some sort of tactical success in the area. Any other military, though, would consider this, uh, taking these type of losses would be considered, honestly, unacceptable and could possibly lead to a short-term strategic win. But it's going to have long-term effects that will actually make it almost impossible to secure and hold any ground past this. So that's what I'm saying. It's almost a lesser of two evil. You may give them this ground and it may give them the ability to actually take it over and then refit and regroup and then push. But they're going to sustain such heavy losses trying to get this ground so heavy that any other military would actually seen it just wouldn't be real. It would be seen as cannon fodder and it's just a waste of men and equipment. It just wouldn't be worth it. So that's what I wanted to show you guys when looking at this. Uh, Liz Chance, and that might be why they're losing severe Nadesk, uh, just they're like just be letting them have it in a sense because they know this high ground i mean look at this i mean we're going west right now as we move this entire hillside is covering the severe nadesk river and right now that purple line that you guys can see on my map everything south of this purple line everything south is going to have hilltops so that's why you see the russian front line has not been able to get past that purple line as of right now so we're going to move a little bit south from Severe Nadesk, and we're going to move over here near just north of Papazna. Now, the Russians have actually regained control of the town of Kamyashuvaka and Lipov, uh, which is just north of Papazna. Now, we've seen this go back and forth multiple separate times over the last week or so. They have not been able to, to actually gain any more ground that is the, the Russians back towards the main route leading out of um, uh, Bakhmat, uh, which, is, which is kind of a big deal because that's one of the main routes leading into Lizchansk at this point. So that's pretty much the only real, real ground that's actually been lost by the, the Ukrainians over the last 24 hours. And we're going to move over to Kyrgyzstan, which is going to be way west. There's a lot going on over there. So we were just hanging out over here in Papazna. I'm going to go ahead and zoom us out and move all the way over here. There has been nothing happening on this front line right here. Okay. Now over here, there's quite significant. There's a lot of stuff going on. I have actually put this purple on. You guys see this? This is the Inhulets River. And this is the one that they just did a river crossing on here just recently. I thought it would be very good to put it on here so you guys can have an understanding exactly where 
it's going to be difficult for either party to actually maneuver across it. Now, the Ukrainian positions are currently being heavily shelled in the outskirts of the towns they're currently assaulting, which is a fairly good indicator that they are making some progress in these areas. Okay, we have three. There's a three-pronged approach going on, or an assault that's going on right now. You have one right here, right here. And there's another one that's actually broke through a little bit that's actually been moving south. But the other two are actually currently being heavily shelled. Now, Russian forces were able to manage uh, to destroy the bridge that's in the town of Davidiv, or excuse me, Davidiv Brid, which is clearly just an attempt to slow down the ongoing offensive that's been taking place for the last 48 hours or so inside this area. But I have read reports that the Ukrainian military was actually able to set up another pontoon bridge in the outskirts of this town. Uh, just of the Inhulets River again, to make up for the lost bridge. Now, the Ukrainian military has also been able to advance towards the town of Androvika, which is currently extremely contested with heavy fighting taking place, which is right here. Okay. Now, in this area that I just circled, they've taken back just a little bit of the area. They're able to secure the area around the town of Lazov, but honestly, I'm going to tell you guys right now, I looked at the, the area of this area. It's not really a town, but more or less just a bunch of farming fields. But nonetheless... It is more area secured for the Ukrainians. I hope you guys did enjoy this episode over here on the channel and on the podcast. I do love you guys. I'll see you guys tomorrow and stay tuned for more of the, uh, the interviews with James Vasquez. I do love you guys. I'm out.